The week before that, we were in Acts chapter 12 and we discussed a church that prays. Do you remember James had been killed? He was the brother of John. Peter was in prison and we read that the, 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 the church uh, constantly prayed, offered prayer to God for Peter. And that word was like they're straining with all of their might because they were in a church that was in a posture of desperation and they believed in a God who could hear them. And so they acted like it. They prayed like they needed help and they had a God who would hear them. And so uh, God, would you do that work in us? Would we be that church that prays? This week, we're gonna go through something in particular. I'll get to that in a second. Next week, God willing, uh, we'll be in Acts chapter 13, which I'm excited about. I know I've been talking about it. I've talked it up way too much, I'm sure. And it'll be a huge letdown for you guys, but I'm excited about it. It's a, it's a model church. You just see it, the church in Antioch. You see a church that was diverse, socioeconomically, didn't matter where you were from or who you were prior to knowing Christ, Jesus unifies them in a really special way. And I love seeing that. There was all kinds of prejudices and biases that would go on back in the day. It's nothing like what it is today. Uh, but ah, oh, the beauty of the gospel, bringing people together and then launching out killer missionaries. Like in, uh, or um, another way of saying that, that's not that. Really awesome and effective missionaries. <laughs> really awesome and effective missionaries um, where the church releases people and the spirit sends people. So I can't wait to talk to you guys about that. It'll be so much fun. That's next week. Unless Jesus takes his church, then we'll let the Lord Jesus have his way and do service how he wants to do it. <laughs> Aside from that, Acts chapter 13 next week. This week though, you get an amended version of what I taught last night, all right? And here's why, there's several reasons, because I think it's an important word. Also, I got here like 1.30 last night and I'm really tired and this really helped just going through this. So Ben, I'm sorry, he was there last night. I apologize. And there's like two of you in here who were last night. Men's advance was last night. And you'll notice there's like, you know, over a hundred men missing from our church today because over a hundred men went to the men's advance from our church. <laughs> which is awesome guys. So praise the Lord for that. Awesome time. Oh, so good. I want to get to the food in a second, but it was so good. <clears throat> it was so good. Uh, but I want to go through an amended version of that because it's an important word for the church. I do believe that it's a word that God would speak to his church. Um, and uh, it, it kind of, it's perfect because when we get to Acts chapter 13, I think it'll be a really important foundational thing for us to maybe launch off when we get to Acts chapter 13. So it really worked out wonderfully. Joel chapter one, I'm gonna summarize the verses one through 13. We're gonna focus on 14. It's the verse for the men's advance. We've been through it. Joel chapter one, one through 13. Here's the summary. Everything is awful. And that's about it. It's awful. Everything's falling apart. Life is horrible because the nation of Israel has chosen to no longer live a sanctified or consecrated life. 
If this is the position of consecration, Israel's going that way. They're no longer living a consecrated life and everything is falling apart because of it. They've chosen to walk away from God to move outside of his blessing. And guess what happens? Life is awful when I go and live according to my own ways. It's called sin and it devastates you and destroys you. It's a cancer that goes and spreads. It's what sin is. And so here we have Joel crying out. And basically, if you read the first, it's all horrible. Everything is awful. And that brought him to this place. Why does God allow difficulty into your life? Well, guess what? Because maybe it'll bring you to this spot. And we'll just walk through it line by line. Momentarily, there'll be three kind of parts to today. Look at Joel chapter one, verse 14. It says, consecrate a fast. Of course, at the men's advance, like I had mentioned, we do not fast from food, okay? We actually orient our lives around, our lives around the fact that we're gonna be eating a lot. <laughs> Meaning this, last year we made a mistake and we ate at two o'clock p.m., we went and watched a movie together. No, we went to Studebaker Museum up in South Bend. We went to that and then we went and had lunch, but it was like late at, th at two o'clock. And then you roll up to the men's advance where they have a burger bar for supper. What's a burger bar? Let me tell you, without going into too much detail, imagine a really good burger and then all the fixings you could ever want different sauces, different cheeses, bacon, guacamole, uh, sauteed onions, mushrooms. So, so you eat pizza at two o'clock and then you show up to a burger bar and what, <laughs> you have to eat. You can't let it go to waste. <laughs> and so last year I experienced almost a, like a 48 hour time period of like misery. Cause I was so stuck and I'm not, I don't think I was sinful. I don't, I wouldn't make light of sin. I don't think it was a sinful gluttony thing. It was like worship and just too much of it. So that's what it was. Worship and too much. <laughs> Why am I telling you this? We don't fast at the men's advance. You eat really well, but here's what's up. A biblical fast is from food. That's what a biblical fast is, pretty straightforward and simple. Nowadays, we still should fast, right? Jesus said, when you fast, like not if, it's when. Uh, and when you fast, food is, a, is, a, is the most biblical way of doing it, just so we're clear. It is of course okay to apply a fast because what am I doing? I'm withholding or I'm resisting or I'm no longer eating I'm replacing that time. Consider this because back then you didn't just go to the store or pull something out of your fridge. You had to prepare food. When I don't prepare food, I have time to do what? To sit before the Lord, time. And so when I fast, I'm replacing an activity with time with the Lord. When you would fast from food, you have hunger pains and you realize how weak you are and how desperate you are for the Lord that a moment or just hours without food, you're a grumpy piece of trash because you're not eating. You realize how weak the flesh is. I need Jesus, you realize. But you can fast from what? You can fast from social media. 
You can fast from meat, like screen time. You can fast from certain relationships or whatever else it might be. There are ways to apply a fast, right? You can apply that in different ways. That's totally fine and appropriate. At the Miz Advance and how we can apply it here is we're, we're walking through this. Consecrate a fast. Consecrate a fast. Set time aside and spend it with the Lord. We're doing that this morning. We're gonna consecrate a fast. You're not at home sleeping. You're not doing something else. You're here right now, setting time aside for the Lord. So by application, we can say, okay, we're doing it, consecrating a fast. For the men's advance, it was, let's set aside a weekend and say, I'm gonna follow you, Jesus. I want you and I'm gonna set aside anything that I would have normally done, whether it would be relaxing or being with family. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna hang out with the Lord. And God honors it when you fast. I believe that. You'll notice it says next to call a sacred assembly. And what that means is nothing more than call a sacred assembly. What does it mean sacred assembly? It's like a, it's solemn and weighty. Uh, it's a restrained event. So it isn't necessarily like a celebratory time. There's a weight to this particular assembly. And why? Well, remember Joel, everything is going wrong. Life is awful. I'm blowing it and I need help. This, this consecrate a fast and call a sacred assembly is like pushing a reset button. I need something to change in my life because I'm not doing well and I need help. And so what do you do? Stop what you're normally doing. Put your mind on the Lord, gather together. And let's like, let's do business and let's deal with some issues in our lives. Gather the elders. Next says, gather the elders of the land into the house of the Lord, your God, the the, the place that we gather at the men's advance is called the tabernacle. So it really fit in well with that. And I'm applying all this like last night to the guys is that it makes sense here. We've gathered together. What is the church? It's not a building. You know that it's a people. We have gathered together. We just so happen to have this incredible facility that houses the church. Praise God for that. And I agree. Gather the elders. What were the elders? These are here contextually men of influence and esteem that God has called to be leaders within this community. People who were trusted, they were seasoned individuals. Well, let's get them together because we need some help. We need wisdom. We can extend it by application to include every single one of you, male and female, that we need to get together and do business together. It then says, and then cry out to the Lord, call out for help to the Lord. And I wanna point this out that this is a community event where we together do this. We have this moment in the men's events after the, the session on Saturday morning, we get launched into what we call the sweet hour of prayer. And you get away and you get alone in the woods and you just spend an hour praying. Simple as that, nothing more. And Tracy taught Friday night and he taught Saturday morning. And I'm gonna go through a little bit of that to offer you a context of what we're gonna deal with. But he walked through that and he sent us out with um, how to be consecrated. And so now we get to go sit with the Lord and kind of just read through truth from scripture that we can declare, not a name it and claim it thing. No, no, no. We're talking word of God, walking in the truth that has been revealed in his word. Now I'm just going to say, God, this is what you said. Help me to walk in it. Nothing more than that. Simple stuff. And so we got to go and do that. That was a private time. It's my favorite time in the men's advance, aside from the food. <laughs> but uh, my favorite time is sitting there, hanging out with the Lord. I 
cuddle up into my hammock and I just hang out. And it was a cool breeze and there was a little bit of rain. So imagine like the rain hitting my, my, uh, my, my rain fly and it's so peaceful. And I'm sitting there in my, my hammock, hanging out. I got the word of God. I've got this little thing. I was rolling through this too. I'd encourage you guys to go grab one, this sweet hour of prayer. It's like a prayer guide, you could say. And uh, it, it walks you through um, maybe like how to have content for your prayer life, you know? Because sometimes you guys might say an hour of prayer. Uh, no, I'll be thinking about who knows what after in two minutes. But this is, this is it's awful. Just beware of it when you go to it. I have a bunch, not a bunch actually. I have a few sitting out in the fellowship hall if you want some, but you just go through and like you spend time worshiping, you spend time praising God, you read through scripture. And then number three, you'll notice there's one, two, and then three is like long because it's, what is it? It's confession. <laughs> so it takes a lot of time. And uh, you just go through and confess to the Lord issues and sins and shortcomings that maybe have been going on in your life. You answer these questions like, am I really concerned about revival? And you're like, oh, Am I willing to pay the price for personal revival? And you're like, oh, uh, am I willing to do anything that God wants me to do? And you're like, oh, <laughs> like you're just starting to get crumpled by God. Is God first in my plans? Am I sinning the sin of prayerlessness? And by the time you're done, you're a puddle, but it's good because then God will do his work. You're repenting, right? You're confessing sin and there's, it's a refreshing time. It really is sitting before the Lord. And you just walk through this. You pray and you hang out. I'd encourage you guys to pick one up. Uh, if we're out, I will just order more and you can have them available to you. But it's a wonderful tool. If you guys struggle praying, there were other, there's other like prayer guides we have out there that we got at the very first of the year. And I would encourage you guys uh, to maybe reinvigorate that part of your life. So anyway, we spend time praying individually, but this right here in Joel, this is a community event where we're gonna seek the Lord together. And so as last night, oh my gosh, you guys, it was just the most wonderful time. Guys got together in groups of three or four and they, they, they shared very specific action items that they, have, that they know they've got to do. They've got to do this. I've got to go home and I have to have this conversation with my wife. I have to confess this sin to this person, whatever it might be. Like they wrote it down, they shared it in their groups and dudes laid hands on them and prayed for them to empower them to do it. Super powerful time. It was awesome. Was really blessed by it. Why'd we do it? Well, because we need to be consecrated because I like things aren't going well. I need help. <clears throat> and so that's basically what it was. This community event, Joel was kind of the outline for that. What I'm gonna do now is I wanna set the stage a little bit more and roll through a few things that we had been taught prior to this. Again, Tracy had taught through this Wednesday night, this section at least on consecration when he taught through the life of Samson. So I'm gonna ask you to call to mind that particular story and uh, Judges chapter 16 is where it really comes from where Samson was hanging out with a prostitute, like not a good idea, Samson. And then he started hanging out with the girl Delilah not a good idea, Samson. And so there was a tremendous lack of discernment in his life and like real true pursuit of God and his holiness. He was considered an unconsecrated, consecrated life. And this like weird thing that happened where he was set apart because he was a Nazarite consecrated to God, but he did not live a life of consecration. And it ended up being something that was devastating totally jacked his life up. All the power that was there, man, he had it, 
but he ruined it because he didn't live a life that was consecrated unto God. Okay, just so you guys are aware, we're gonna roll through some heavy stuff and it's probably gonna be convicting, but I wanna give you, um, oh, what would I say? I wanna give you hope. We're ending with Jesus. We're gonna end with rest, so hang in there, all right? Let the weight, <laughs> let the weight of your failure and inadequacy, let it be felt. But just know at the end of the day, Jesus says, come here, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. And he says, I will give you rest. So we'll get to the end, okay? We'll get to Jesus. He's our savior. He's the hero. He's the rescuer. We'll get to that. Hang in there, okay? We got a little process to go through. God help us. Samson did not live a life of integrity. And I'm gonna define it for you. Integrity means to remain in form despite pressures and forces against you. That he did not live a life of integrity when forces came against him. For example, the desire for sexual satisfaction. Guess what he did? He chased after all of it. Or this desire or this pleasing the flesh. He had no integrity. What the flesh wanted, the flesh got. Ended into a life of destruction an adherence to a moral and ethical idea. That's, that would be integrity, where you can be trusted. You can uh, hold or, 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 or wield something and someone trusts you. Staying within the parameters that God has given you, that's integrity. Knowing and stepping outside of it is what you would just call sin. And when you don't live a life of integrity, well, then you would ask for, for forgiveness. You would repent. We'll talk through a little bit of 2 Corinthians chapter 7. We'll get to it. It'll make sense here in a moment. I want to live a life of integrity. It's godly. Jesus is a man of integrity. God is a God of integrity. Nothing changes him. No outside force can affect him. He's a, he's a God of integrity. We have the world pressuring you this way and that way. And as a church, I want to remain true to form. What is God's word said? Whatever it says, that's what we're doing. It's so simple. But the pressure of the world comes. Do we want to, do we have integrity as a church? I sure hope so. That's the lineage that we have been given. Thanks to Bill and this ministry and Vi. We're a church of integrity. We're going to hang out right here, not going left or right. No matter what the world says or what pressures come against us, God help us, right? Okay, so that's consecration. I'm quoting Tracy Gray now. Samson's consecration to God did not include a lifestyle of obedience to God. And I'm gonna say it again. Samson's consecration to God did not include a lifestyle of obedience to God. It was missing that very vital aspect. A life of consecration or being consecration necessitates Daily obedience. And so if you're feeling the weight of daily minute by minute obedience, oh yeah, it's heavy. It's almost like I need a savior. I need to be filled with the spirit because I cannot do that. It's beyond my ability as a mere man. I need help. (laughs) Ah, good news is coming. He was, Samson, spiritually reckless. God had given him so much. And yet here he just squandered it. What's it like? All right, real quick, Colts fans. 
Let's say, for example, you have one of the greatest draft picks since Peyton Manning. His name's Andrew Luck. And you're kind of a bomb GM and you don't get a good line to protect him. And you've been given something precious. Number 12. And you don't protect him and you lacerate his kidney. And then all of a sudden, you're at a, you're at a like a, a preseason game and ESPN launches the fact that Andrew Luck is retiring. And then you're thinking to yourself, I've squandered what God has given me. Spiritually reckless, <laughs> Samson. But God is faithful. I'm excited about seeing what God will do with that. <laughs> I'm sorry, moving on. I don't want to be spiritually reckless. God has given us so much precious things. I don't want to be reckless with it. Samson saw consecration as an event. And I'll explain this. Not a lifestyle to be lived. Samson saw consecration as an event, not a lifestyle to be lived. And what that means is when he was born, he was consecrated unto God, an event took place. Now, consecration can be an event. It oftentimes is. The men's advance, for example, is a moment in time where I could go back to and I can say, yep, I did business with God then. And I got right in a really important way. And you remember those times and you guys can think throughout history of your life, moments in time, whether it was getting baptized or whatever it was where you've made a decision to follow Christ, or I'm gonna get serious about leading my family. And you remember that time, that's an event that takes place, but I can't forget that then the daily grind has to happen. That I wake up tomorrow and wouldn't you know it, but I need to consecrate myself again. I need to say, God, here I am. And like, we forget that. I, I get into rhythms of life. I get into just doing this and doing that. And I forget that I'm supposed to, live a lifestyle of consecration. It's difficult. Daily. Paul would say, I die daily. <sighs> okay. So I thought it's going to be a little bit uh, heavy. Stay with me. Samson, when he was in the lap of Delilah, was lulled to sleep by her and came to a place where he exposed his source of strength, which was consecration unto God. And the world, so to speak, lulled him to sleep and took it all from him. Where he had an opportunity to stay strong because of his consecration unto God, but he allowed the world to lull him to sleep and they stole it from him. He allowed it to happen. I do not want that to be the case. I want my eyes. I, I want to see the world for what it is, recognizing that the world hates me, that there's, there's enmity. I can't be friends with the world and love God. It doesn't happen that way. Jesus said it like this. The world hated me. It's going to hate you. <laughs> okay, that's just what's up. It's the world we live in. Now we, like Jesus, by his strength, his grace, and his ability, we tread this line of being influential in the world, of having and like loving people really well and yet not being sucked into it, not laying our head down in the lap of the world. 
or we're supposed to influence. Yeah, you better believe it. We've got a message of hope. It's called the gospel. Seeing lives redeemed. That's what happens. People set free from sin. That's what we get to take part in. Ah, man, but if I'm lulled to sleep, it's not gonna happen. Jesus did it perfectly. Red hot against sin, man. He spoke hard against sin. He was, he was like ruthless against sin, but did he love the sinner? Perfectly. Such an incredible man. He just did it perfectly. Don't forget that the world hates you. God, would you help us to be humble? We could pray this. Help me be humble because Samson was not, he was arrogant. Help me to have wisdom and discernment. He didn't walk in that. Lord, would you give me daily consecration? I want to learn from these mistakes that he made. And one thing quickly here, I'll qualify it, but the world does not need a polished version of you. The world needs Jesus living out of you. It doesn't need a polished version of you, although you're wonderful and great. You're just, you, you, lack, you lack the ability. I'm just going, we'll get, we'll get to the power in a second. Here's what he wants. He wants a consecrated life, one that's yielded to him. We don't need a polished version of me, man. They, I, like people need Jesus, not Jordan. And so Jesus, here I am, take me, use me. Romans chapter six, Romans chapter 12. I'm a living sacrifice. Renew me. Romans chapter six talks about, here's my hands. I used to use them for sin, but now because I've been set free by the blood of Christ, I can use these hands in a consecrated way that they would glorify God. I can think glorified thought. I can think for him now. I can speak for him now because of what Christ has done on the cross. I've been set free. He's risen. I'm a new creation. This is great news. It needs Jesus. We need to walk in the spirit. A quick um, definition of it. And then, yeah, uh, Grant, you had it on the screen already. James McConkie wrote a book called The Surrendered Life. Tracy was quoting this. I bought it on Amazon right there and then because when Tracy Gray quotes a book and he says, this is a book that he reads once a year, I think to myself, I need that book. So I went and bought it right there and then. Um, what is consecration? The absolute unqualified voluntary offering of ourselves unto God to do his will, not ours. And do you see Jesus in that? that he did it perfectly, voluntary. He does not force us. He allows us to choose to follow him because it's worship. It is an expression of love when you choose to follow him. And that's what he desires. I die daily is what he says. Okay, we're gonna roll through this quick. Everybody be, be, be calm. Consecration is the pathway to fruitfulness. So that was a statement I just made. I think it's a true statement. We're gonna explain it. Consecration is the pathway to fruitfulness. Ask yourself this question. Where do you want to be fruitful in your life? Consider it, ponder it, mull it over. Where do you wanna be fruitful? I'm gonna offer you something in a moment that maybe will help that. But where do you want to be fruitful? If consecration is the pathway to fruitfulness, well, where do I want to be fruitful? How do I be consecrated? Oh, we're going to deal with it right now. In your Bibles, go to Proverbs chapter 24. Proverbs will be towards the left-hand side, kind of in the middle by Psalms. So Proverbs chapter 24, 
And if you guys need a Bible, then take the one like that we hand out and grab it. Cause like here, like we go through scripture, we open it up and we roll through it. Make sure you're underlining things, taking notes, remembering it, learning. So maybe you can then go and teach this as well. But uh, Proverbs chapter 24, we're gonna start in verse 30, a picture's being drawn by Solomon. This is a convicting thing. We've gone through it in several occasions here at church, but I just wanna bring it to your attention again. Solomon's out for a stroll one day, walking, hanging out with the Lord. And he says, I went by the field of a lazy man, by the vineyard of a man who is devoid of understanding. And he says, I looked on it, Sorry, there it was, all overgrown with thorns. So here is Solomon walking. He looks over here and he sees this vineyard. He sees a garden. He sees a field. He says, it's overgrown with thorns. Uh, Its surface was covered with nettles. And then its stone wall was broken down. It was the field, the vineyard of, what does it say? A lazy man a man who has neglected to take care of what God has given him to steward. Again, this is heavy. Bear with me. Jesus is coming. He'll rescue you. It's heavy because I don't want to be this man who is lazy. I don't want to be the man where my garden and field is broken down and covered up. There's no fruit in this particular field. There's no fruit because the nettles have come up and choked out where the fruit would come. And now all of a sudden the wall's broken down and so animals could come in and they could eat the leaves. They can do the things that deers do to hostas or deer, deer, whatever, if it's plural now, that's weird now. Deer do to, deers do to hostas. That's a strange sentence. Anyway, you know what I'm trying to say. Those things happen. Why? Because the wall is broken down and I have an opportunity to steward and protect. So we're gonna apply this. But you notice what he says. When I looked, I saw it, I considered it well. He really pondered when he looked at the field of a lazy man. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and I received instruction. He says this, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And it says, so shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Two things happen. You go into poverty and you have need now. Two things occur because of your neglect and because of your inability perhaps or your care to do what is right. You've now left somebody probably vulnerable to attack. Okay, so now let's apply this very specifically into our lives. Go ahead, Grant, and show that picture. Don't make fun of it. It's my own notes. It's just, I wanted you to have it, okay? To see, okay, do the other one. That's the next time. That's the, okay, first one is this just the fruitfulness. So this is like a field, you could say. It's my field that I wrote down and yours would be probably pretty similar just depending on various details. But I wrote this down and I've got it in my Bible because guess what? I need to be reminded of what God has given me to steward so that I don't screw it up all the time. And so I sit this before the Lord and like, I wanna be consecrated. I wanna be fruitful in my life. And as I come before the Lord and say, God, here I am. Help me do this. So for you, like just things to consider just for a moment, where do you want to be fruitful? And does any of that resonate with you? Yours would maybe look a little different. So just think, what would you write in that? What has God given you to steward? He's given me one wife. That's biblical. He's given me kids. 
I have five of them. Do I want the wall to be broken down in my marriage? No, I don't. Do I want there to be nettles and stuff? No, I want to be fruitful in my marriage. I want there to be vibrancy and I want it to be thriving. Does it require work? Yes. Does weeding a garden require work? Yeah. Does neglecting it do anything? It ruins it. That's what it does. And so I'm convicted by these things. A responsibility is now given. I have one of those things, a responsibility. What about my kids? Can my life and lack of consecration mess my kids up? You better believe it could. And so I have a responsibility as a man to walk well in this. I'll be, I'm gonna be real. I fail you guys. And I've got to repent. There's men in this church that I have to confess sin to, to keep me humble, to keep me broken. So I don't run off and be some idiot. I need that, me personally. I need those things. I encourage you guys to get them as well. Man, woman alike, we need these things. I want my field to be vibrant and growing and thriving. And so my encouragement this morning is guys consider this. Each and every one of you from the youngest to the oldest has been given something by God to steward. Is it fruitful? And if it's not, there's a reason why. And I'm gonna encourage you. Okay, go ahead, Grant, with the next one. That first one deals with people this next one deals with maybe situations that you might find yourself in. Like, are you consecrated and fruitful in how successful you are? Do you give God glory for those types of things? What about your failures? Do you repent well when you fail? These are things where I can invite Jesus into and say, help me in this area because my wall's broken down and there's no fruit in my life when these things occur. When you go out into the world and they begin to talk about like stuff like that, the language gets different. Your work parties, a little bit too much alcohol starts coming out. Like, what do you do? Are you ready for that? To live a life of consecration and just listen, it goes back to Jesus. He lived it perfectly. People wanted to be with him, but he spoke truth into their lives and he lived in a way that was beautiful. Like, I want that. I don't want to just capitulate to the world and the culture and I don't want to just affirm things that are going to be devastating to a person's life. I'm not going to affirm lies, but I want to love well like he did. And I want to know, I want to trust that when truth is applied into a person's life, they will be set free. Why do I believe that? Jesus said it. That's why you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. It's hard though. You guys see this. You know what it's like. You guys are thinking through and considering where do you want to be fruitful? Have you invited Jesus into these things? My encouragement this morning is just consider it. We're talking about being consecrated and being set apart for God. And, and where you fail, you just ask for help. Like it's, it's all, you just ask for help. That's where I'm at. I'm not perfect in any way in these things. Where do you want to be fruitful? Consecration is the pathway to fruitfulness. How can this be? Well, here's how. Consecration in its most essential form is nothing more than a yielding to and abiding in the risen Savior, our great Redeemer, the first and the last, the one who always lives to make intercession for us, the one who holds the keys of death and Hades in his hands, the one who has all authority been given to him, who says, lo, I'm with you always to the very end of the age, 
Consecration is yielding and abiding in Jesus. No more than that. Where I'm yielding myself to him. Turn to John chapter 15, and this is where we're going to close. In John chapter 15, we're going to read verses 1 through 9 and just kind of comment through it. I just want to expose you to it. I know many of you guys are very familiar with this, but you seeing it hopefully can impact your life. It's not just words from a doofus on stage. It's actually the word of God that changes lives. And so consider that as we roll through this in him abiding in Christ. John chapter 15, verse one says, I am the vine, the true vine, sorry. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away or could be translated, he lifts up so that the sunlight can get it and so on. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it can bear more fruit. Now, what do you do when you prune? I have an apple tree in my yard and uh, I just got done cutting a bunch of branches off and call it pruning. I don't know if I did it correct or not. We'll find out in a few months. But I prune my apple tree so that it's not wasting energy needlessly and the, like the whatever happens, the food, go, whatever. Pruning hurts, but it produces more fruit. <laughs> and so we have a master gardener who knows that which to clip. We think it hurts, but ah, oh, produces fruit. Verse three, you're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. We just went through things where we want to be fruitful. You cannot be fruitful in and of yourself. That's what Jesus says, at least, okay? The one who spoke the world into existence, the universe, he knows what he's talking about. Trust him. You cannot bear fruit in and of yourself unless you abide in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus said that. Uh, what does it mean to abide? To make your home, to stay right there in him. We'll talk about what that means in a moment. I am the vine, this is verse five. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, what's it say? Bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If you want to bear fruit, here's what you do. You abide in Jesus and you will bear fruit. It's like, that's what Jesus said. If you're not abiding in him, here's what Jesus said, you can do nothing. All right, just so you know, think back to that field. You want your field to be right. You wanna see it to be fruitful and the wall to be built up. You can't do it. Only he can abide in him, enjoy him, spend time with him, let him work you and consecrate you and minister to you and wash you and make you new. I understand that there's a process involved in that and that is really hard. I get it. I'm living that out right now, but I must abide in him. Verse six, if anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and throw them into the fire and they're burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Look at verse eight. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples as the father loved me. I also have loved you, abide in my love. How do we glorify God? We bear fruit. How do I bear fruit? I abide in Jesus. All right, now you could definitely say, how do I abide in Jesus? Here's what we're going to end with. 
set your mind on him. We, we just abided, <laughs> I'm sorry about English right now. We just abided in Jesus right now. You guys have been setting your mind on him this morning because you're listening to scripture. If you want to abide in Jesus, you spend time with Jesus. You set your mind on things above like Colossians chapter three says, go read Colossians three. That is the best place I have found to give me a definition of what it looks like to abide. I set my mind on things above, not on things below. I think on him. I spend time in the word. I spend time in prayer. I spend time in fellowship and I find that I will bear fruit. It's simple. Enjoy him. Rest in him. Set your life into his lap. Wake up every day and say, here I am, God, use me. I need you. I'm desperate for you. Abide in him. It's what we're called to do. Enjoy him. Okay, I'm done. I will pray and we will worship. All right, Lord, we love you. We need you. So clear is your scriptures. We are called to abide in you. What a simple thing that is conceptually, but here we are now. We want to walk it out. We want to live it out. And so we ask for your help, Lord. Would you teach us how to abide in you? We want you to be glorified. We want to bear fruit and the responsibilities that you've given me our marriages, our home life, our grandkids, our workplace. God, help us be fruitful so that you're exalted. Souls would be one for you. The kingdom of God would expand. But Lord Jesus, I can do nothing apart from you. We must abide. Help us to abide in you. Help us to set our mind on you. Help us learn to wake up daily and offer ourselves to you, to die daily, to be consecrated. God, help us. We really need you. And so God, we trust you to do your work. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.